Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the March 16th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. March Madness is here, my friends. It is finally here. Uh, so if you haven't seen already on Twitter, i got two episodes coming out this week. I'm splitting up my March Madness uh, preview into two different episodes on today's episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Uh, I'm going to give my bracket preview. So I have my bracket 100% filled out. I have it locked in. I'm going to go through region by region, giving my uh, my picks for every single game, what my bracket looks like, my reasoning behind my picks, and a couple dark horses I think are going to go far. Um, a couple favorites I think are going to lose early. Stylistic matchups, all the good stuff. My full in-depth bracket preview. Uh, you might have seen already. Uh, I did a video for Odd Shark, which is like a little quick snippet, uh, just some tips, trend, trends, and things like that uh, f- for the bracket. But this is my in-depth bracket preview. I have it all filled out. I have it locked in. I've gone through matchup by matchup, game by game. Uh, so that's what I'm going to get into first. Uh, and then I also have my second ever guest interview of the Bacon Bets podcast. Who else would be a better guest to have on during this week uh, than other, none other than Greg Peterson? If you don't know already, Greg Peterson um, is one of the one of my favorite uh, college basketball handicappers out there. Uh, he's based out of Las Vegas. This guy has his own podcast, Hooping with Hoops, where he literally breaks down. Uh, 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 he gives a pick on the side and a total in every single game. He re- releases a podcast every single day. His Saturday episodes during college basketball season are like four and a half hours long because he goes through every single game. I honestly don't know how he does it. Um, people say that they're that they're the hardest working uh, people in the sports betting industry. Some people I see say that who have no business saying that. Uh, the objective truth is it's Greg Peterson. He sleeps like three hours a night. I don't know how he does it. Um, I asked him that in the interview, whether he's a robot or an alien. And I think he actually kind of alluded to the fact that he might be a robot. So I think he might be a, an AI, a college basketball AI robot. But we get into that. Um, and I just uh, uh, ask him some questions about the bracket, uh, his thoughts and a few matchups. Uh, and things like that. So that's a great interview as well. So that'll be uh, uh, coming up after my my full in-depth bracket preview myself. And then I'm going to finish off uh, with my PJ Tour. We're going to switch gears and uh, go to the PJ Tour. The Honda Classic is this week. I didn't want to go without giving out my PJ Tour picks because uh, I came off a winner. Last week, we hit Justin Thomas 16-1. to 1. He was my best bet I gave out on the podcast last week. Felt very good to finally hit an outright pick uh, after being very, very close uh, in a lot of tournaments the last couple of months. Uh, finally, we had one come through for us. Uh, a lot of people tweet at me, send me DMs that they cashed in on Justin Thomas last week as well. Actually, just, just in general, outside of even just people who listen to the podcast, I think a lot of just golf Twitter in general was on Justin Thomas, so that was good to see. A little win for the public, which is always good. So it's not the most exciting tournament this week with the Honda Classic. A uh, bit of a weak field as it's sandwiched in between the Players' Championship and the WGC match play next week, uh, which is fitting they do during March March Madness. And it might be my number one favorite tournament uh, in all of golf. We didn't get it last year. It's a match play tournament. Match play is very fun. I always say every year that they should do more match play uh, events. But that's next week. Uh, but I 
Let's see if I can hit two outright picks in a row. So I did finish off with a quick little PGA Tour betting preview uh, on this week's episode as well. So, uh, And then on Thursday, I'm going to release an episode Thursday morning where it's just going to be my best bet for every single uh, first round game. Obviously, the first four games I'm going to give picks out as well. Uh, and then the first round, the round of 64 uh, for Friday and Saturday. So as I mentioned before, I'm doing a, be- uh, my, a pick for every single game in this March Madness tournament. What is it, 68 games, something like that. Uh, so yeah, Thursday will just be my best bet for all of the first four, the first four games, uh, and then all uh, uh, how many games in the first round? 32 games in the first round on Friday and Saturday. So uh, I'm gonna start handicapping those right uh, basically as soon as I get up tomorrow. That's probably gonna take me uh, a good portion of my day tomorrow on Wednesday to handicap all those games uh, and have a pick for all of them. I'm very nervous about this. Um, it's probably not going to go well, but we'll see. Fuck it. <laughs> we'll see how I do betting on every single game. I mean, the first round is going to basically determine how the rest of it goes. Because what? It's almost half the games of the tournament will all be in the first round. So if I have a good first round, I should be set. If I have a bad first round, I'll, I have a lot of, I'll have a lot of catching up to do. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But to be honest, I love the board. I love the board, love the board, love the board. Um, but yeah, uh, when I give out my picks here for the bracket, I mean handicapping a bracket is different from handicapping game for game because you have to take shots on underdogs to win outright um in in the bracket when you're betting um on spreads you might back an underdog on a spread but not necessarily money line but if you just back the betting favorite in every single uh bracket your bracket's gonna suck so i I, you have to take some shots so i i I get into that a little bit more uh, as i talk about the bracket but i like my bracket this year i'm going perfect how about that uh what is it like a one in 10,000 trillion chance to get a perfect bracket. I'm going to be the first and only ever person to do it. Uh, it might be the best bracket that's ever been filled out in the history of mankind. I'm very confident about it. Um, I'm, I'm I'm excited, man. We didn't get a March Madness tournament last year, so this one feels extra, extra special. It's fantastic. It's the best time of year as a sports fan, as a sports better. It's March Madness. We're here. We made it. I really hope the team's no team has to back out of the tournament because that's just going to fuck everyone's bracket. That's going to fuck everyone's bet. So let's hope the bubble works in Indianapolis. Uh, but yeah, let's get into it. Like I said, starting off with uh, my full bracket in-depth uh, preview here. Going to go, go through the entire bracket region by region. And then my interview with Greg Peterson, which is a great, great interview. I enjoy talking to him quite a bit. And then I'll finish off with my PJ Tour betting preview for the Honda Classic. So let's not waste any more time. Uh, I guess a couple of really quick house cleaning things. Subscribe if you haven't already. I have to repeat this every show. I know it gets repetitive, but subscribe if you haven't already. Rate it, review it. Uh, The donate option is there as well. Uh, If you feel like you want to donate through PayPal, the option is there. Uh, Maybe you enjoy the content I've been putting out, Um, especially this week. I'm going to have a ton, a ton, a ton of content throughout this week, throughout March Madness. Pick for every game. Maybe you hit on Justin Thomas last week. Uh, from my pick from the podcast last week if you feel like you want to donate the option is there you can donate through paypal venmo and cash app not available in canada yet so paypal is the only option don't feel like you have to though don't feel i don't want you to feel pressure to donate whatsoever but the option is there i will continue to put out all the free content regardless and i hope you guys enjoy it but let's not waste any more time let's get into the march madness bracket edition of the bacon bets podcast more bacon than the pan can handle 
More bacon than the pan can handle. More bacon than the pan can handle. More bacon than the pan can handle. Utility man. All right, let's get into my full in-depth bracket preview. Now, before I actually get into each game and each region here, something that I brought up in my video for Odd Chart today that I want you guys to be aware of when you're filling out your brackets or if you're going to bet on a team to win the whole, whole tournament, 63% of winners of March Madness have been number one seeds. 14% have been two seeds, 11% have been three seeds, and then only one four seed, one six seed, one seven seed, one eight seed have won. The eight seed was like in the 80s. No five seeds have won. So if you feel, if you pick a lot of one seeds to advance deep into the tournament and you feel like, oh, well, that's probably not going to happen. I mean, it, it usually is. Now, I do realize the one stat that's out there that there's only been one time where it was all four one seeds in the final four, which is true. So you might not want to go all four one seeds in the final four, but you probably want your winner to be a number one seed, especially this year. Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Illinois, in my opinion, are a step above the rest. They are true number one seeds. I think it's going to be a number one seed. Now, which number one seed it is, I think that's up for debate, but I, I would be very surprised if it's not a one seed that wins this year's edition of the tournament. So that's just my two cents before we kind of get into the nitty gritty here. I would write 63% of the time it's a number one seed. I would probably recommend doing that again. Um, but let's get into my region by region breakdown here. We're going to start off with the West region. So this is the top left-hand corner of your bracket, the one that has Gonzaga in it. Uh, Gonzaga has the easiest path to the Final Four. I tweeted it out on Selection Sunday. They they should win this West re region, no question about it. And the odds makers agree. I saw minus 250, I think, at Bovada for them to make the Final Four, minus 200, I think, at Bet Online. Um, and when you look at it, it makes sense. So the number two seed, the number three seed, and the number four seed in the West region. Gonzaga beat them all this year and beat them all handedly. Kansas, Iowa, and Virginia. Gonzaga's already beat those three teams. Include, like They beat Virginia by, like what was it, 23 points, 25 points earlier this season? They did. The Kansas game was first game of the season, so take that with a grain of salt, but they handled them. They handled Iowa as well. Uh, so I just don't see a team that can challenge Gonzaga um, in this uh, tournament, but we'll get into that a little bit more. I'm still going to go through game by game. By the way, Gonzaga is going to be taking on the winner of Norfolk State and Appalachian State. I don't think conference tournament winners should have to play play a play-in game. Is that a hot take? Norfolk State and Appalachian State. I mean, that's it's, that's just shitty. They have to play. They won their conference, and now they still have to play a play-in game just for the right to get their ass kicked by number one seed. If you win your conference and you're a 16 seed, then you should just just automatically have to play the one seed and probably get your ass kicked. Have to play a play-in game to then go on and get your ass kicked by number one seed. I don't think that's fair, personally. Um, but obviously, I'm going to take Gonzaga. By the way, number one seeds and number two seeds, if you're failing with a bracket, I would recommend that you don't take any upsets to happen. The likelihood of that happening, very, very, very low. And with the one seeds and two seeds are the team the teams that can make deep runs. You don't want, like, a two seed to make a deep run to the final four, and then you you pick them in the first game to get upset by a 15 seed, and you don't even get that first round point. So, I'll tell you right now, I'm picking every number one seed and number two seed to win in the first round. I think it'd be foolish not to. Not saying it's impossible, because we've seen those seeds lose before. Um, but, I mean, I don't know how you justify any of those teams winning. So, uh, better be safe uh, than sorry, I think, and just take the one and, one and two seeds to win. Now, Missouri versus Oklahoma. 
Very interesting game. True 8 seed versus 9 seed in my opinion. Both teams that don't really have any weak spots but don't really do anything fantastically well either. Uh, two teams that, I mean, if they didn't have to face Gonzaga in the next round, if they got hot, could potentially go on a little bit of run here. So this is one of all the games that I think it's tough to pick. This Right off the top, this is one of the hardest ones in my opinion. Now, thankfully... Whoever wins this is going to lose it to Gonzaga in the next round, so you don't have to worry about losing too many points in your bracket pool if you don't pick the right team here. Um, and the numbers do say Oklahoma is a slightly better team. They're a two-point favorite. I think that line is set right, but I am going to back Missouri here. Two reasons. One, Jeremiah Tillman. I've always been a big Jeremiah Tillman fan. It's his senior year. Um, I mean, this is the kind of handicapping you got to do when you're looking at a bracket and betting in March Madness. I know I'm a big stats guy. I don't like subjective things like, oh, a senior player is going to try extra hard. But these are the kind of things you do kind of have to take into consideration because these teams are playing outside of outside of their conference. The numbers don't necessarily add up all the time. Uh, and March Madness is an emotional tournament. There is um, an emotional factor to it. So I'm kind of going against what I always say about not betting based on those things. But uh, Jeremiah Tillman, man, I think he's one of the better players in the country, in my opinion. It's his senior year. And Oklahoma had a bad end of their season. They finished their season 1-5. Not good going into the tournament with that kind of mojo, I don't think. Really hard, but it is really hard to, to argue against either team here. But like I said, very similar numbers. Probably slight edge if you're going just based on statistics to Oklahoma. Uh, Missouri, Jeremiah Tillman... Oklahoma had a bad end of their year. I'm going to take Missouri here, but, I mean, it, it's a toss-up. Uh, the next game in, is interesting. UCSB Santa Barbara against Creighton. Fox Santa Barbara because this should be UC Irvine. Obviously, this is the Big West team that beat uh, my UC Irvine Anteaters uh, in the conference final here. This is the game that as soon as the bracket came out, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is the 12 seed upset the 5 seed Santa Barbara. Um, and actually, in the Greg uh, Peterson inter interview that uh, you're going to hear in a little bit, he's on Santa Barbara as well, and he, and he broke down uh, why he liked it. I'm not going to argue against Greg. He's, he's a very smart college basketball handicapper, but I'm taking Creighton here. Uh, I know Creighton kind of had a rough end of their season, but, I mean, the Big West is not a good conference, and and Santa Barbara did lose twice to a not-so-great UC Irvine team um, uh, during their conference play in the regular season. They lost to, who was it, Loyola Marymount early in the season. I think they have some talent, but uh, to upset Creighton, man, Creighton, who I think probably the second-best team in the Big East next to Villanova when Connor Gillespie w was healthy, I, I mean... I don't see it, man. Creighton, one of the best shooting teams in the country. 14th in effective field goal percentage. Uh, UCSB is a two-point shooting team, 87th in two-point shot rate. And Creighton is 37th in opponent two-point field goal percentage. So they have a good interior defense. I just don't understand the upset pick. I think UCSB is some kind of weird, sexy underdog to a lot of people. And I just don't fully understand it. Now, like I said, if you want to hear an argument for UCSB, uh, stick around and listen to the Greg Peterson interview because he talked about why he likes UCSB and he made he made a few good points I don't want to spoil kind of hit his take on it but that this was one of the games that we touched on for sure because of the fact of how many people I see on Santa Barbara and I just don't fully understand it so I've not taken Santa Barbara here I'm going Creighton to advance um, but an upset that I am taking is the next game I'm taking Ohio I'm taking the Bobcats to upset Virginia here um people forget early in the season Ohio only lost to Illinois by two points 
And they also demolished a very solid Cleveland State team, 101-46. to And now they're one of the hottest teams in the country entering the tournament. And I'm just not a big believer in Virginia. For Virginia's style of play uh, to be at its best, the slow-paced, calculated style of play, they have to have a dominant defense. And that's what they had two years ago when they won the national championship. They had that last year as well before the season got canceled. But it just hasn't been that good this season. 56th in opponent floor percentage, 94th in defensive efficiency. Now, those numbers are still very good, but they're not even close to the defense they had the last three seasons. The last three seasons before that, they'd be top five in both those categories. Now, they're 56th and 94th. So, still very good, but they just aren't the defense that, they, that they've played in the past. Now, with this slow style uh, uh, of play that Virginia plays, um, if they just don't have a very good shooting shooting game and, and, and are a little bit cold, with the limited amount of possessions, it's hard for them to kind of pick up that pace and, and play catch-up. So uh, they're going up against an Ohio team that's 13th in effective field goal percentage, a very good shooting team in Ohio. Um now, if this was just a regular season game, and, and uh, then I'd, pr- I'd probably be taking Virginia. Uh, when I get into my breakdown for, for a pick in each game, I'm probably not going to be taking Ohio money line. I'll probably back their point spread instead. But like I said before I got into this here, you have to take some shots when you're feeling out a bracket. I'm taking my shot here. I'm taking Ohio as a 13 seed to upset Virginia number four, the defending champions. Risky, but I, I, I just think the, no- the numbers are fishy. The Virginia numbers are fishy. I'm not sold on them. Uh, Wichita against Drake play-in game. I'm going to be, uh, we'll, uh, I'll get into that game, but I, I think it's going to be Drake coming out, out of that. I'm very surprised that they're a slight underdog, but they're taking on, the winner of that game will take on USC. I'm taking USC to advance there. Um, I like USC a lot as a six seed in this bracket. 11th in floor percentage, 16th in opponent floor percentage, 17th in rebounding, 78th in effective field goal percentage, 30th in effective possession ratio, 30th in opponent effective possession ratio. Now where they might struggle, and I'll get into this in a little bit, is against a good three-point shooting team. Uh, they're good against teams that that uh, uh, struggle with an interior offense, interior defense. Um but they're, they're, they struggle against teams that have a, have a good perimeter offensive perimeter defense. Also, they're a terrible free throw shooting team. That's something uh, to keep in mind. They're near the bottom in the country in free throw percentage. So keep that in mind. But I, I think they beat the winner of Wichita and Drake. Just too dominant down low for a, t- for a, a, a mid-major team to kind of compete with them, I think. So I'll take USC to win that one. Kansas against Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington might be a good spot to cover. Kansas is just too good in too many areas here for, for an upset to happen. I don't really have much to say about this. It's a three against a 14. I'll take Kansas. Uh, Oregon, definitely going to take Oregon against VCU here. I, I, I think VCU played above their skill level this entire season. I bet against them in the A-10 Conference Championship game. game. It worked out for me. Uh, key thing to keep in mind for Oregon, 11-3 this season when their starting point guard, Will Richardson, is in the lineup. So uh, Oregon might be a team to watch out for. I'll take them to beat VCU there. Um, and then obviously I'm taking Iowa to beat Grand. I saw one one person say Grand Canyon's beating Iowa. That ain't happening, my friend. Uh, but shout out Grand Canyon head coach, uh, Bryce Drew, former, former Valpo great. March, one of the better March Madness moments. Who would they beat? Ole Miss? on a Bryce Drew uh, late shot, I believe. Um, so that so that's uh, the first round of the West. We're just going to stick to the region and, until I get the winner of the region. Uh, so then start back up at the top here, Gonzaga against Missouri. I'm taking Gonzaga. I mean, it's just they're, they're too much for Missouri to handle. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have too much to say about that game. Gonzaga is going to win that one. I'm going to take Creighton over Ohio. 
So I have Creighton winning again. I bet you I don't. I bet you there's not many people that have Creighton in the Sweet 16, but I, I think they get there. If Ohio's going to beat Virginia, I don't think Ohio can, can pull off two upsets in a row. Creighton, like I keep saying, yes, they stumbled late in the season, but they're one of the best shooting teams in the entire country, 13th in effective field goal percentage. Uh, I'll take them to beat Ohio. I'm going to take USC to upset Kansas, 6 seed to upset the 3 seed Kansas, because um, I think they're both similar styles of team. Also, I don't think Kansas deserves to be a 3 seed. Let's get that out of there, but... Very similar style of teams, but USC does it better. So they both lean on two-point shots, but USC um, is a lot better down low. And Kansas is, has not been a great shooting team all year. 186th in effective field goal percentage. I don't know, like Kansas is not going to be able to go far shooting 186th in effective field goal percentage. Uh, USC is uh, second in opponent two-point field goal percent, percentage, so that they can shut down Kansas' offense. So I'm going to take USC to upset them there. Uh, I'm going to take Iowa to upset Oregon. Oregon beating Iowa is a little bit of a popular pick, um, but I just think Iowa's Iowa's offense, Luka Garza, is, is too much for a lot of teams to handle. Um, yeah, I, I think a team that's going to have to be able to beat Iowa is a team that plays very, very good defense, and Oregon just isn't that team. I think Oregon is kind of just like a lesser version of Iowa, so I'm not going to buy into Oregon upsetting Iowa there. I'll take Iowa there, and then I'm going to take Iowa to beat USC as well. Like I said, USC is going to struggle against a good three-point shooting team, uh, and that's kind of what Iowa is. Uh, Iowa is... Um, can get hot from three. They're around 102nd, I think, in three-point shot rate, so they do slightly favor three-point shots. Uh, they're, they're a team that can, that can shoot down low if they need to. They can shoot threes if they need to. So I think they recognize USC's uh, perimeter defensive issues, and they, they kind of attack them on the perimeter. And then a USC team being that bad at free throw shooting, you can only bet on them to go so far. So I like a lot of USC fundamentals, uh, but you need more than just good fundamentals to beat Iowa. So I'll take Iowa there, which leaves me uh, with a chalky 1-2 uh, matchup here in the Elite Eight. And I'll take Gonzaga here. Gonzaga's already crushed Iowa this season. They play good enough defense to be able to shut down this Iowa offense. And the Gonzaga offense, they put up 100 points against Gonzaga, or against Iowa, didn't they? Um, let me just bring up that game really quick. I know it was a while ago, uh, but the stylistic matchup still still stay, stay the same. Iowa's defense has been their issue all season, and uh, a, a bad defense is not going to be able to slow down this uh, this Gonzaga offense. So yeah, ninety they scored ninety nine points against Iowa, beat them ninety nine eighty eight. So rematch of that game, I think it, it goes the same way. So I have Gonzaga winning the West Conference there. Uh, just as a recap, I mean my biggest upsets I have Ohio beating Virginia in that in in, in that region. I got USC as a six seed upsetting uh, number three Kansas, but at the end of the day, I have a one-two matchup in the Elite Eight with Gonzaga moving on uh, as the one seed. So uh, that is the West region. Let's move on to the bottom part of the bracket here, uh, which is the East Conference, the one with Michigan as the number one seed. Obviously, Michigan wins the first round matchup, whoever it is that they play there, Mount St. Mary's or Texas Southern. St. Bonaventure against LSU, one of the best first round matchups of the tournament. Uh, this is a game that, uh, this is a main TV screen game. So if, if any of you are college basketball fans like I am, of course, you're going to have multiple screens going with multiple games. St. Bonaventure against LSU is the game you have on your main screen with the audio on. Love this game. I went back and forth. I am going to take St. Bonaventure, though. I think it's a good stylistic matchup for them. Uh, 50th in two-point shot rate, so they keep it down low, and then that's where LSU struggles on defense. 230th in opponent two-point field goal percentage. 
Um, and like I've mentioned before with LSU in their conference tournament, yes, they made the SEC conference finals, but they're a bad defensive rebounding team. Uh, I brought it up there and podcasted in the past, whereas St. Bonaventure, 30th in offensive rebounding. So I think St. Bonaventure can beat them down low. LSU can't defend down low. They can't rebound defensively. St. Bonaventure can shoot down low. They can get offensive rebounds. So very close matchup. I am going to take the Bonnies there to edge LSU and advance to the second round against Michigan. Colorado, Georgetown. This one's a no-brainer. Uh, shout out Georgetown. What a run in the Big East tournament to win that. Uh, who is it? Patrick Ewing is their coach. I mean, that's fantastic. Good for them. But the Cinderella story ends here. Um, it's just not a good, they're not good enough to make any noise in this tournament. 192nd in effective field goal percentage, 233rd in floor percentage, 305th in turnovers per possession. They can't match up with this Colorado team. That's a very, very solid team. Colorado wins that Florida state NC Greensboro. If you guys watch my odd shark video, you already know what I'm going to say with Florida state, but I think they get by Greensboro. Their size is going to be too much. And then I'm going to take the winner of Michigan State and UCLA over BYU. Now, if my brackets, I think all brackets are the same. I feel my note on, on Yahoo, you don't choose who wins that first four. So, And I, I don't think it matters. I think whoever comes out of that matchup between Michigan State and UCLA. But I will have my pick for that game on Thursday's episode. But I think whoever wins that game beats BYU. Uh, and I talked about this with, with Greg uh, as well that you'll hear in the interview coming up. But... Uh, BYU kind of got ripped off in having to play a very good 11 seed, uh, but Greg brought up this point that BYU probably didn't deserve a number six seed anyway, so it kind of all comes out in the wash. BYU, second best team in that West Coast Conference, but I mean, it's a pretty weak conference uh, overall this season, I think. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take the winner of that play-in game there. Texas over Abilene Christian. I don't really need to say anything about that. I, I do have Maryland upsetting UConn here. Uh, and I think a lot of people are on UConn. I've heard a lot of people taking UConn deep in the bracket, but I do like Maryland here. Uh, I'm going to, in general, in my bracket here, you'll notice this as we move on, I'm going to favor Big Ten teams, easily the best conference in the country this season, in my opinion, whereas I think the Big East had a down year. Uh, Maryland, 67th in effective field goal percentage. UConn was 195th. Also, UConn, 75th in two-point shot rate. They're a two-point shooting team. That matches up very well with Maryland's defense. Very good stylistic matchup for them, in my opinion. Maryland is 44th in opponent two-point field goal, field goal percentage and just 46.8% of points scored against Maryland come from two-point field goals, which is the 38th lowest rate in the country. So this is a very good stylistic matchup for Maryland. Um... A team, a, a, a team, a style of team that's going to beat Maryland is a good three-point shooting team. Um, Maryland's going to match up well against teams that shoot the two ball, and that's exactly what UConn does. So good stylistic matchup for them, and they're just generally a better shooting team than UConn. Um, so I know UConn kind of got hot at the end of the season, I believe. A lot of people are on them actually to go on a run in this bracket. I have them losing out um, in the first round to Maryland. Uh, and then obviously I'm taking Alabama against Iona. Uh, I am taking Michigan to beat St. Bonaventure here, number one seed against a number nine seed, because um, this the stylistic matchup kind of flips. St. Bonaventure is going up against a team that doesn't defend down low, doesn't defend well down low, and now they're going up against a team that does defend well down low. Michigan, 
Uh, third, an opponent two-point field goal percentage. So good luck to a St. Bonaventure team that their whole offense kind of comes down uh, with their interior offense, and now they're going up against uh, one of the best interior defenses in the country. So I, I, I think Michigan go, uh, wins that game and advances. Florida State against Colorado, if that happens, and it should. Very, very, very intriguing matchup. Fascinating second-round matchup. Two teams this size, two teams that do a lot of things well. I am going to take Florida State here. I just think they're a little bit more dynamic and they're a little bit of a better shooting team as well. But that's a that's a that's a pivotal matchup in my opinion. I think whoever wins that matchup might be the team that comes out of the East region. Colorado could do it. If Colorado edges Florida State here, I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado actually wins the East region as a five seed. So that is a matchup to watch. But Florida State just does a couple things a little bit better, a little bit more of a, a dynamic team. And a little bit just of a, of a better general shooting team. So I'm gonna, I am going to take Florida State in that matchup. But that's going to be a very, very interesting second round matchup. As long as neither of them get upset in the first round. Then I'm going to take Texas to beat Michigan State or UCLA. Whoever it ends up being. Michigan State and UCLA. They're kind of both lucky to get the tournament. Whoever survives the first four matchup. Texas one of the hottest teams in the country right now. Don't have much more to say about that. Michigan State actually, fun fact. The worst team against the spread heading into the tournament only covered 33.33% of games. So keep that in the back of your mind as you bet on Michigan State moving forward. Uh, and then I am going to take Alabama to beat Maryland. I just mentioned where Maryland's weakness is on defense. It's their perimeter defense. Um, I said they're going to struggle against three-point shooting teams. And Alabama's the picture-perfect example of a three-point shooting team uh, in the country right now. So... I mentioned how good Maryland is in their interior defense. Well, now let's look at the perimeter defensive numbers. 37.8% of points scored against them come from three-point range. That's 319th in the country. So the complete opposite as their two-point shooting numbers. Also, teams are shooting 34.3% against them from beyond the arc. 195th highest rate in the country. So Maryland goes from a very good stylistic matchup in UConn to literally a nightmare stylistic matchup in the second round against Alabama. So no upset there. I'm taking Alabama to advance. Um, and then let's go to the Sweet 16 here. I am taking Florida State to upset Michigan. I think Michigan peaked too early. What they finished their season? Two and three, I think, in their last five games in the season, if I'm correct. And it's, uh, they had a good stylistic matchup, though, against... And if it is LSU they play in the second round, good stylistic matchup there as well. But this stylistic matchup is not good for Michigan. Florida State has the size to compete with them down low. Florida State's one of the biggest teams in the country uh, as far as size goes. Um, but... They also shoot threes very, very well, and that's exactly where Michigan's weakness is, and I've been preaching this all season, where teams can beat Michigan is with the three ball. Florida State, ninth and three-point field goal percentage this season, hitting at a rate of 39% from beyond the arc. So I think the Seminoles knock off the number one seed Michigan Wolverines here. I think they advance to the Elite Eight. I'm taking Florida State to upset Michigan there in the Sweet 16. Texas versus Alabama, the other... Uh, uh, elite or a sweet 16 matchup here two very similar teams are both three-point shooting teams uh 17th and 57th and three-point shot rate i'm gonna take texas though i'm taking the three seed texas here they do some other things better um they they're the better rebounding team they're the better overall shooting team 58th in effective field goal percentage compared to 105th but really at the end of the day this game's a toss-up when you have two three-point shooting teams facing off against each other it's gonna be just whatever team gets hotter Whatever team's hotter from three in that game is going to be the one uh, that wins the game. 
but enough of the other supporting statistics support the Longhorns, so I have to make a pick. I'll take Texas to upset Alabama. I say upset because they're a lower seed, but it'd be interesting to see what the point spread would be. I would assume Alabama would be favored. I'm going to take Texas to win that matchup, though, which leaves the Elite Eight matchup in the East region a three seed against a four seed for me. And I'm taking Florida State. You know this if you watch my Odd Shark video that was released on Monday. I have a bet on Florida State to win the East region at 6-1 to one odds. I think that is fantastic odds. The only thing that does concern me a little bit with Florida State, they have ran into a little bit of turnover issues at time, and they come from the ACC, and I'm not fully... I think the ACC had it was a bit of a weak year for them. So even though they played well against conference opponents, I'm just... Is the ACC bad? Which, so... Their level of competition does concern me a little bit, but a big reason why I like them is because they're so dynamic, like I keep preaching. They they can beat teams down low because of their size, but they're also one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. So if they're well-coached throughout the tournament, they can utilize their different abilities, their different skills to create mismatches against the teams they're, they're, they're playing against. They can rebound. They can also force turnovers as well. So I just like the Seminoles a lot in this tournament as a four seed. I have them winning the East region, and I got it at 6-1. to one. So a little sneaky bet I think you can place there. So that's my East region. We're halfway through here. Let's keep the train moving. Moving on to the South region. So now we're going up to the upper right portion of the bracket here. This is Baylor's uh, uh, region. Obviously, Baylor to beat Hartford in the first round there. 9-8 game is Wisconsin against UNC. Actually, originally when I filled this out with my gut feeling uh, when the bracket was first released, I took Wisconsin. I'm going back on that. I'm taking UNC instead. By the way, heartbreaker of UNC not advancing to the ACC final. Uh, but yeah, Florida State was a tough game for them. But I that plus 550 ticket, I think they would have beat Georgia Tech. I think they were a better matchup against Georgia Tech than Florida State was. But I digress. It lost regardless. Uh, but they should dominate Wisconsin down low. First in rebounding compared to 223rd, which is what Wisconsin ranks in rebounding. UNC is also one of the highest two-point shooting rates in the country. 53, and then 53.4% of points scored against Wisconsin come from down low, which is 267th in the country. Now, what does make things interesting, I will be fair, is Wisconsin commits the second-fewest turnovers per possession, while UNC coughs up the ball a ton, ranking 255th in the stat. Neither team is great shooting, 198th, 246th. Um, so you truly have a team, neither team can shoot well. Uh, UNC is much better down low. Wisconsin's better on the perimeter, but in these kinds of matchups, I will usually favor the team that's better down low because they have that rebounding advantage as well. So I will be taking UNC in this matchup to advance. Uh, but then I have them losing to Baylor next round and just, I I can't back a team that, that doesn't shoot well against, against the Baylor Bears. So, uh, I have UNC winning, but then losing to Baylor next round. Uh, but let's keep on moving down the first round matchup here. I got another, or I, what, I is it another, or is it the only one I have? Yeah, this is the only one I have. The classic 12 beating five seed, which is a classic upset in March Madness. I'm taking Winthrop. Winthrop or Winthrop? I'm taking them to upset Villanova here. I picked Villanova in the Big East tournament, and I think I undervalued the loss of Connor Gillespie. And that's on me. That was a mistake. Hand up. Uh, a lot of people tweeted at me saying, well, do you know Connor Gillespie was out? Yes, I did know that, but I just, I, I it didn't it didn't put as much value in his, uh, as into his injuries. I should have. They are a completely different team without Gillespie. I realize that now. Um, and Winthrop's, I'm going to call them Winthrop. I don't know if that's right, though. They've only lost one season. Very good numbers all around. Solid perimeter defense, which will be important against Villanova. Uh, so I'm going to pull off the upset here. Like I keep saying, you have to take some shots on some upsets, especially in the first round. So this is one where I'm taking it 
Winthrop, 12 seed upset Villanova next round. Um, my gut feeling wants to take North Texas over Purdue, but looking at the numbers, I just can't. North Texas is a respectable season, but numbers don't add up. And I actually was down on Purdue when I first saw the bracket. I thought a four seed was high for them, but Purdue, even with playing, now they had some tough losses this season where you, you look at them and they're like, ugh. But looking at their statistics, when they're competing in the most competitive conference in the country in the Big Ten, they have very, very good numbers here. Um, they And they don't really have any weak points, but they're in like the top 50 and everything. So uh, Purdue, Purdue, Purdue will beat North Texas and they could make some noise in this tournament. I wouldn't be shocked. Next up is Utah State against Texas Tech. This is a very intriguing matchup as well. One of my favorite this is going to be one of my games I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on because these are two teams that are basically identical uh, as far as style of play goes. Uh, very good rebounding teams, very good defense defensive teams, but neither is a great shooting team, and that reflects an effective field goal percentage. 180th is Utah State, 187th is Texas Tech. Actually, that might have been flipped, whatever. They're right next to each other in effective field goal percentage. And then they both play very good defense. I've talked about Utah State in the past, in the past. Seventh in defense efficiency. I think it's second in opponent floor percentage. Third in rebounding. But they but Texas Tech is good in those in those categories as well. But obviously Texas Tech has played in a much tougher conference than Utah State did. So these are these two teams are like twinsies. They're right next to each other. There's no edge in the style of play because they're basically the same team. So it's very interesting that they made this a first round matchup. Um, I think it's going to be a grinded out game. I think it's going to come down to the wire and I'm going to take Utah state to pull off the upset. I have to take shots here. Uh, and I've just kind of generally liked Utah state. If they win this, if they do end up winning this game, they will officially be my Jersey purchase for the season. And I want them to win. If you watch my guys and bets odd shark video, Utah state is my Cinderella pick. Now I don't have them going far in my bracket, but I do have a little bet on them to win the South region at 18 to one as a little fun bet. My pick for a Cinderella team, but probably not going to happen. But I think they pull off the upset in the first round against a Texas Tech team that has had a lot of issues offensively at times this season. So I'm taking Utah State here as an upset pick. Next, we got Colgate against Arkansas. You guys know I have absolutely loved Arkansas this year. I'm not going to pick, pick them to be upset against Colgate. Um, but it could be a little bit of a sneaky game. Keep an eye on that one. But I will take Arkansas. I'm going to take Virginia Tech to upset. Well, I shouldn't say upset because they're, the, I mean, it kind of is their 10 seed, but uh, uh, the books have them as a one point favorite right now against Florida. I am going to take Virgi uh, I, Virginia Tech. I think a seven seed is way too high for Florida. Florida was not really impressive. I was even kind of surprised they made the tournament, to be honest. Um, actually, I wasn't too surprised, but seven seed's insane for Florida, in my opinion. Um, Virginia Tech's a better rebounding team. They're a better defensive team. They do have similar shooting numbers. But uh, Florida, 268th in turnovers per possession. That might bite them in the ass. Virginia Tech's 87th, so a lot better numbers there. Um, Virginia Tech coming from a maybe not so great ACC conference does concern me a little bit. But I, I think Virginia Tech is the better team here. I'll take them to beat Florida. And then, of course, I'm going to take Ohio State to beat Oral Roberts. And then I already mentioned taking Baylor against UNC. I don't trust UNC shooting. Winthrop, 12 seed. They're not going to win two games in a row. Purdue's very good all around, despite competing against a very competitive uh, Big Ten conference. Utah State, I think they lose the second round to Arkansas. Two, probably my two favorite teams to bet on this season face against, it, it might face against each other here in the second round. Breaks my heart to bet against either of them, but I, I will go Arkansas in that matchup. Too good, too well-rounded. 
if there's a three seed that, that can make a run in this tournament, I think it's Arkansas. I think they take out Utah State. Just too good offensively. Utah State's not going to be able to keep up with them. And here's an upset. I'm taking Virginia Tech as a 10 seed to upset Ohio State. I think they can get it done. I think Ohio State, despite getting to their conference tournament game, um, their defense is is a big cause for concern. 235th in opponent floor percentage, 237th in defensive efficiency. Virginia Tech is a three-point shooting team, and Ohio State has a sub-power perimeter defense as well. I think the Hokies can pull off the upset here. I don't trust Ohio State's defense. It's hard to get go deep in the, in the NCAA tournament with a bad defense, and Ohio State has a bad defense. They just do, which is strange to say because Ohio State usually has a very good defensive team. Not the case this year, as proven by the numbers I just rattled off. So I'm taking t- the 10 seed Virginia Tech to upset number two seed Ohio State in the round of 32. Uh, then I'm going to take Baylor to upset Purdue. I kind of thought about Purdue there. Um, and I know Baylor did stumble down the stretch, but guys, this Baylor team is third in effective field goal, field goal percentage, top 15, just about every single stat. They're one seed for a reason. I'm going to take them to beat Purdue, taking Arkansas to beat Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is good and they're strong in some areas, but, um, they're, I mean, they are a 10 seed for a reason. I think Arkansas matches up well against them. So I have number one seed Baylor against number three seed Arkansas in the Elite Eight matchup, and then I'm going to take Baylor. I know I'm taking a number one seed here, uh, but they're just too good, guys. Arkansas is good in everything. even You could even say great in everything, but they aren't fantastic in anything. Uh, they stumbled at times in certain games. They weren't able to win the SEC. They lost to LSU there in a game they probably should have won. Uh, and Baylor is just good everywhere. I know they weren't quite the same ever since coming out of co- uh, coming back from the COVID break, but I think they hit the stride this, their stride in the tournament here. I got Baylor making the final four, and then the final region here, uh, Midwest region, um, Illinois against Drexel. Now that's going to be an inter- interesting game as far as the point spread goes. I'll get into that Thursday. Drexel Drexel cover the spread seventy five percent. Uh, at a 75% clip this this season, so that's going to be interesting, but of course I'll take Illinois to win the game. Uh, Georgia Tech against Loyola Chicago. Tough to handicap this game. I will take Georgia Tech, though, uh, just almost based on solely on how hot they've been winning the ACC tournament. Uh, there's a guy who DM'd me saying Georgia Tech was going to win the ACC, uh, and then I said if I uh, didn't believe him, I said they definitely won't. And if they did, I'd give him a shout out on Twitter. And then he hasn't messaged me, uh, and I don't feel like going through my messages to try to find out who that was. So if you're listening to this, sir, send me a message so I can give you a shout out because uh, you're buried deep into my DMs now because that was like two weeks ago we were DMing. So you've been buried, but please, I, I thought you were going to send me a message to gloat. I was expecting it. I haven't received that message yet. I want to give you your credit. So please send me a message so I can give you a shout out on Twitter. You call Georgia Tech winning the ACC. Now, I mean, did they get a little bit lucky there getting uh, basically a bye against Virginia? Yes, but Fair enough, they won the ACC. They beat a very good Florida State team in the final. So credit where credit's due. And then I saw someone tweet at me today saying, I always bet against Georgia Tech. I have something against them. Well, how about this? I'm taking them in the first round. I don't have any. You know what I have against Georgia Tech? They suck at rebounding. And you guys know I love, I have, I'm horny for good rebounding teams. And that's where their big weakness is. Um, but I don't think they're going to get in a lot of trouble with this against Loyola Chicago because Loyola Chicago, while good defensive rebounding team, they're a terrible offensive rebounding team. So Georgia Tech not being able, not really being a good rebounding team shouldn't cost them too, too much. Um, and then they have similar numbers. I mean, Georgia Tech and Loyola Chicago is basically right next to each other in almost every category, but Georgia Tech is obviously 
coming from a much tougher conference. I'm surprised to see how many people I see on Loyola Chicago. I'm surprised to see how close the point spread is. What is it? Chicago, Loyola Chicago might even be favored. Uh, yeah, Loyola Chicago is two-point favorite. That's surprising to me. I know they've been good this season, but, I mean, let's think about competition level here. I'll take Georgia Tech to, to win that game, advance to the second round. Also, fuck you, Sister Jean. I'm kind of sick of that whole story. Um, maybe that's me being a former Catholic coming over to me. I feel spite for Sister Jean, but um, nuns were evil back in the day. My parents have both had to go to like uh, religious schools, and when my mom was in nursing school, all the teachers were nuns. Nuns were evil. Actually, Sister Jean even, yeah, Sister Jean, she's a nun, that's why she called Sister Jean. I digress, I'm taking Georgia Tech in that matchup. Uh, Tennessee against Oregon State. Tennessee, one of the better defensive teams in the country against a brutal defensive team in Oregon State. Oregon State's basically the Georgetown of the Pac-12. Their Cinderella story ends here. Great that they went on to they won the Pac-12, right? I'm pretty sure they did there. Um, but they're just not a good enough team to make any noise in the tournament. I'll take Tennessee there. Cade Cunningham's not going to lose to Liberty, so Oklahoma State I'm taking in that game. San Diego State against Syracuse. I tweeted this out. I think it's a lock of the tournament. Uh, put some respect on San Diego State's name, man. One of the better teams in the country. People disrespect the Mountain West, and I'm sick of it. I think San Diego State's a very good team here. I think they're going to go on a run. I don't think Syracuse deserved to be in the tournament, if I'm being quite frank. I actually think I thought Louisville was a better team than Syracuse this season. Um, now, the one thing that does concern me is it's kind of tough to say how San Diego State's going to deal with Syracuse's zone defense. They didn't face a lot of zone this year, um, but I just think they're just too talented, too skilled. I'll take San Diego State easy in that one. That's going to be like my lock of the first round for sure. West Virginia against Moorhead State. That's just a mismatch. Don't need to go into that too much. I'm going to take Rutgers to beat Clemson. Uh, very. I mean, why is Clemson a seven seed and then Georgia Tech's a nine seed despite winning the ACC? That makes zero sense to me. I'm not backing Clemson with how bad their offense is this season. Yes, they're a very good defense, but bad offense and their perimeter shooting offense, three-point shooting team and Rutgers, that's where their defensive strength is, is on the perimeter. So I think it's a good stylistic matchup for Rutgers. Rutgers is coming from the Big Ten, which I said I'm going to favor because it's such a good conference. Rutgers to beat Clemson. And then, of course, Houston to beat Cleveland State. Let's roll back up to the top now. Illinois to beat Georgia Tech, the best rebounding team in the country in Illinois taking on one of the worst rebounding teams in the country in Georgia Tech. Complete mismatch down low, taking Illinois to win that one. Oklahoma State against Tennessee, very interesting game, but I will be taking Oklahoma State. Tennessee, I don't think they're a good enough shooting team to keep up with Oklahoma State. 168th in effective field goal percentage. Cowboys have a very good interior defense, which matches up well with Tennessee's uh, offense, which is mostly an interior offense. Um, Yep, so taking Oklahoma State there to win as a four seed. Taking San Diego State again. Taking them to upset West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia uh, is a two-point shooting team. San Diego State's 13th and opponent two-point field goal percentage. Put some respect on San Diego State. Let's go. I think they are... I think they're much they're deserving of a higher seed than six I think they beat West Virginia they're going to be an underdog in that matchup I'm assuming I'm going to take San Diego State to upset them to advance to the elite uh sorry to the sweet 16 and then I'm going to take Rutgers to upset number two Houston uh so that's two 10 seeds I have beating two seeds in my bracket I have Virginia Tech beating Ohio State and then I have uh Rutgers beating Houston so like 
uh, Clemson. Houston is a three-point shooting team, and I already brought up Rutgers has a very solid perimeter defense. So this is two back-to-back good stylistic matchups for an underrated Rutgers team. I think Houston dominated an AC an AAC conference that was particularly weak this season. Don't forget the AAC lost one of their probably the second or third best team in the conference in UConn switching to the Big East. UConn switched from the AAC to the Big East this season. Um, so yes, Houston dominated the AAC, but I think is one of the weaker conferences in the country when you're talking about kind of like like that second tier of conferences. Um, and then Rutgers had a very, very respectable season in the toughest conference in the country, and it's a good stylistic matchup for Rutgers as well. So I'm taking a 10-seed Rutgers to upset Houston there. Um, and then I am going to take Illinois to beat Oklahoma State. Illinois has the players to be able to shut down Cade Cunningham, and then they just have a lot more depth than Oklahoma State does. So I'm taking them to beat Oklahoma State to move on to the Elite Eight. And then I'm taking San Diego State. They'll probably be favored this game, maybe, so I can't call it an upset, but I have a 6 first 10 in San Diego State against Rutgers in that uh, Sweet 16 matchup. I'm taking San Diego State there because... Unlike the other two teams Rutgers had faced in this scenario in my bracket, San Diego State should be able to pound the ball down low quite a bit more. Uh, They have a strong interior offense. I think they get past Rutgers there. And a little 6-10 Sweet 16 matchup, which brings it to Illinois against San Diego State in the Elite Eight. I think San Diego State gets all the way to the Elite Eight, but I think they fall to Illinois. Illinois is just too good. They have too many weapons. They're too deep. Um... Uh, they can attack the San Diego State team too many different ways. Um, the end of San Diego State Cinderella run is here. So I'm taking Illinois to win the Midwest region. So there you guys have it. So that brings me to my final four. So if you've been paying attention, you've realized I have three number one seeds advancing to the final four. So my final four is Gonzaga against Florida State and then Baylor against Illinois. So yes, three number one seeds and then a number four seed. But like I, like I said at the start, I truly think this year the number one seeds are a step above the rest. I think Michigan stumbled, and then Mich- Michigan without Isaiah Livers is going to hurt them. So I think if there's a number one seed that loses, I think it's Michigan. And then I'm going to take Gonzaga to beat Florida State, just an overall better team. Gonzaga has no weaknesses. I'm going to take Illinois to beat Baylor. I don't really know. I don't really have much to say about that because I think that game is a true coin flip. I think that's going to be a very good game to watch, but I think Illinois just has a little bit better star power there with Io. Is it Io? I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. Um, Illinois is a better rebounding team as well. The best rebounding team in the country, and you guys know I like rebounding teams. So I'm going to take Illinois to beat Baylor in the Final Four, and then I'm going to take Gonzaga. Predicted score. I tweeted it out yesterday. And I said it, it's subject to change, but now that I've done a deep dive into the bracket, I'm sticking with this 88-76 in favor of Gonzaga. I think they, they, they win handedly in the final. They're too deep. They they do everything very, very well. They are the best shooting team in the country. First in field goal percentage, first in effective field goal percentage, and no one's even close. They're by far and away the best shooting team in the country. Uh, I know, guys, people keep saying that Gonzaga chokes. You guys realize these aren't the same players every year, right? <laughs> like, there's a high turnover rate in college basketball. Uh, I don't think Jalen Suggs had much to do with the 2017 team. Was it 2017 when they lost the final to UNC? Um, so I, I don't subscribe to the fact that they're going to choke. Um, they have the easiest path to the final four out of all four number one seeds. Now I got Gonzaga earlier in the season at plus six fifty. I settled on guys and bets. I think it was right after they beat 
Iowa, I think it was, because it was right before they started their conference schedule, and I said, um, they're not, probably not going to lose in the conference schedule. They're, they don't face any more tough opponents. Their odds are only going to get shorter, and they were plus 650 at the time. And then, of course, they wiped their conference schedule out, and now they're like plus 200, plus 210. So uh, I got it at a good number. I, I will hedge that ticket if it is a, if Gonzaga does make the final. I'll hedge against them in the final to secure a profit. Um, but I think I think this is finally Gonzaga's year. Because they don't have to face any perennial blue blue bloods. There's no stacked Kentucky team. There's no stacked Duke team. Um, Illinois is very, very, very good. And a lot of people that I talk to actually have the same final matchup. But they have Illinois winning, which could happen. But I just think Gonzaga is too complete of a team. They wipe the floor with their entire Oda Conference schedule. They have the, like, the, the top recruit in Jalen Suggs in the country. They're good everywhere. They're well coached. I'm taking Gonzaga to win it all 88-76 against Illinois in the final. That took me a lot longer than I thought it would to get through that. But there is my in-depth bracket preview. You guys got my pick for every single game. That is the perfect bracket. You heard it here first. Um, but yeah, now let's now uh, the next part portion of the podcast is my interview with Greg Peterson. Stay tuned for that. Very, very interesting. He gave his thoughts. We disagreed on a few matchups. He gave his takes. We look at college basketball a little bit differently, and I talked about it in the podcast. I look at teams as just an overall combination of their stats. He gets very specific because he looks at just college basketball during college basketball season. He can really focus on the sport. He really handicaps the games down to a, a player level and matchups between the players, which I really, really like. So um, I, I, please tune into this. It's a very interesting um, conversation with him. Um, so let's get into that now. Let's jump into my interview with Greg Peterson. And now joining me on the Bacon Bets podcast, my second ever guest on the show, none other than Greg Peterson. Nobody more fitting to have on during March Madness week than Greg Peterson, the host of Hoopin' with Hoops and MLB Overtime Betting. You can follow him on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. Greg, how are you doing, man? Thanks for coming on. I'm doing tremendous, Ian. It is great to be aboard with you. It is the best time of year. For all of us college basketball fans, and hopefully you're enjoying it as well. Great to be on with you. Yeah, absolutely, my friend. I've, I've been on your podcast a handful of times. It's good to have you over on mine here. Um, I mean, I, first of all, i got to start. Before we get into the whole March Madness tournament, i I, I got to bring this up. And this is something that I see a lot of people talk to you uh, about on Twitter. A lot of people ask you this question. You podcast every single day. And when you do the sport, college, uh, college basketball and MLB, you have a pick on a side and total for every single game. Uh, you don't miss a day when you're podcasting. Uh, it doesn't look, seem like you sleep. I woke up this morning. Um, now, I'm in, the, I'm in the Atlantic time zone, so I'm like four or five hours ahead of you. I think it's four hours. I wake up this morning. I'm barely awake. I check my phone. I look at Twitter, and you're already putting out picks uh, for the NIT tournament. Um, so I need to ask you right off the top. Can you confirm Greg that you actually are a human being or are you willing to admit on the show that you're like a robot or an alien or something? Cause I, I don't understand how you do it. Well, there are some people that think that I might or might not be artificial intelligence. I can confirm <laughs> that I am human. If you were to like open up my arm or something like that, actual human blood would come out. It would not be a bunch of wires or anything like that. This is not a... I am legend situation or anything like that. Actually, I don't think it would be I am legend. It's I am robot. I'm thinking about the wrong Will Smith movie. You see, 
That's what makes me human. I don't know Will Smith movies. All I know is college basketball. <laughs> I still think you are specifically some kind of college basketball <laughs> specific AI because uh, the, the content you put out is absolutely fantastic. And this is one of the reasons why I always preach uh, that I don't personally think people should necessarily pay for picks because I think there are people like yourself that puts out fantastic content day in and day out. Um, so I would recommend if the, if the, if you're looking for some free content, check out your podcast, of course, Hooping with Hoops. Pair that with mine, the Bacon Bets podcast. You get a little bit of, of two different points of view, uh, and I think that that's all you really need for the March Madness tournament. So speaking of the March Madness tournament, let's get into it right away. We're recording this on Monday. Selection Sunday uh, was last night, of course, I'm sure, uh, with your work ethic and, and how late you were up last night. I mean, like I said, you were tweeting out picks for the NIT tournament already. I'm sure you've uh, taken a look at the bracket um first things first do you have any were were you surprised by anyone who either made it in that you didn't think should have been in or anyone that didn't make it in that you thought deserved the spot uh in the March Madness bracket I would have put in I would have put in Memphis over Wichita State with Wichita State they did not look good down the stretch against Cincinnati I recognize that this is a shocker team that they were able to go on a nice win streak and they were able to get a win over Houston during that win streak to be able to make the NCAA tournament. But if you take a look at the American Athletic Conference, I mean, this is a conference that was a little bit underwhelming. And for Memphis, they wound up challenging themselves out of conference. They wound up going to the Sanford Pentagon at the beginning of the year. They were able to play some good competition in those games and they were really firing all cylinders. They had a guy by the name of DeAndre Williams who was out at the beginning of the year. You may recall he was the key cog for Evansville when they wanted knocking off Kentucky when they were the number one team in the country during the 2019-20 season at Rupp Arena. He came in. He was doing a tremendous job for Memphis. We saw them be able to take Houston to the brink, not once but twice in the span of seven days. So they proved that they were able to play with good competition. Meanwhile, Wichita State was like number 72 in the net. Now, I'm not one of those people that thinks that the net should be the end-all, be-all, but I was just taking a look at Wichita State's resume, and they did not pass the eye test. They didn't necessarily pass when it came to the metrics. Meanwhile, Memphis, maybe the metrics were a little bit off, but, I mean, they were playing their best basketball going into the American Athletic Conference tournament. And if you have eyes, you saw that Memphis was an NCAA tournament team. I agree with you 100%. Memphis is one of the best defensive teams in the country, so I I was surprised they were left out. Uh, The one team that that stuck out to me, I'm curious your thoughts here. Um, Syracuse getting in at 11 seed, not even have to play in one of the first four games. I thought that stuck out to me. I I thought it was maybe a 50-50. I was leaning towards Syracuse not getting in. Are you surprised to see Syracuse getting into the tournament, not even having to play a a play-in game? It feels like we say this every single year with Syracuse. They're on the bubble, and it's like, man, they got a little bit overseeded. And then we remember what happened when they made the Final Four run. A few years ago, they made a Sweet 16 run. I mean, it just feels like Syracuse is in this spot every single year, and the committee always gives them the benefit of the doubt. So I wasn't necessarily too surprised. I sort of figured that if they were going to put a team like Drake into the NCAA tournament, they would force them to be in the first four. So it's one of those things where does Syracuse belong in the first four? Yes. Am I surprised that they avoided it? No. Yeah, that, that that's fair. I mean, if Syracuse goes on a little run here, I'm going to look stupid. I tweeted out this morning that I thought uh, San Diego State seemed like the most obvious bet of the first round to me. But uh, I, I, I think I, I have a soft spot for the Mountain West, and I, I, I think that has uh, something to do with it. So I'm, I'm personally rooting for San Diego State to eliminate Syracuse there in the first round. Uh, uh, but we'll see how that goes. Now, out of the four regions, um, 
are there any that reach out that stick out to you as being weaker than the other four or do you think all four are, are pretty evenly matched as far as competition and skill level goes I take a look at the West region, and I think that Gonzaga got an incredibly good draw because you've got the unknowns of Kansas and Virginia, two teams that they should be able to be all good to go for the NCAA tournament, but you don't know if they're going to have their full complement of players. And even if they do have their full complement of players, these are two teams that they're a little bit mysterious. And if you wind up getting Gonzaga versus Virginia in the Sweet 16, Gonzaga already land base in Virginia yeah. this year. And if you wind up getting an Elite Eight matchup between Gonzaga and Iowa, by the way, I do not have that matchup. I've got Iowa going out before the Elite Eight. Guess what? Gonzaga came off of a COVID pause, and they wound up knocking off Iowa as well. So, I mean, this is a Gonzaga bunch that they've already beaten a lot of the teams that are out there in this region. You've got the two COVID teams. Creighton is a team that I don't even think is going to be able to win in the first round against UC Santa Barbara. Mm. Personally, my in my bracket, I wind up having the 12 over the 5. So I take a look at that region. And typically, you want to give the top overall seed the easiest draw. I feel like Kansas, I feel like Gonzaga certainly got the easiest draw. Yeah, I would agree with that. I actually want to bring up that uh, Santa Barbara-Creighton game. That was a game uh, that, that I saw a lot of people on Twitter right away as soon as the bracket was announced saying that if they're looking, if they're, if there's a 12 seed out there that can win in the first round, they're looking at UCSB uh, over Creighton. Um, so I just, I just want to get a little bit more of your thoughts in that game. I, I still think Creighton can win that game, but also part of me just kind of doesn't like UCSB because they knocked off my anteaters, and I feel like that should be <laughs> UC Irvine in that spot. Uh, but UCSB did lose to UC Irvine a couple times this year. Uh, I believe they had another loss of Loyola Marymount, I believe it was as well. So just, you, do you have uh, as UCSB as a 12 seed beating Creighton in that spot? I just, I'm just curious your, your thoughts a little bit more about how that game is going to go down. I think that with Creighton, what you do need to keep in mind with this team is that we always look at them and we think about how great the offense is, how many three-point shooters they have. Out mm-hmm. of 347 teams that want to playing in D1 competition this season in regards to road and neutral court free throw shooting percentage, they are 347th. Wow. I think a lot of people will be stunned to know that with the reputation of Creighton as an offensive team, they're terrible at the free throw line. Meanwhile, you take a look at UC Santa Barbara. They've brought in a bunch of guys that wanted beginning their career at the Pac-12 conference. You've got Corey McLaughlin, a former starting point guard of Oregon State. He has been highly efficient. Assists to turnover ratio north of two. Shoots 40% from three-point range. Gives you 16 points per game. With UC Santa Barbara as well, Miles Norris comes in from Oregon. He's got some good size. He's able to pop some threes. Amadou Sodown, though, has been able to give you seven and a half rebounds per game. This is a UC Santa Barbara team that they're very naturally a little bit more of a low and slow team, but they've shown that they're able to pick up the tempo a little bit as well. And with Crane, you've got a lot swirling around this team. No doubt you've got a little bit of controversy when it comes to Greg McDermott. His whole situation, hopefully, we can get back to basketball when it comes to that ordeal. Obviously, not necessarily the most savory of things, but it is something that you do need to take a look at, just a little bit of inner strife when it comes to Creighton. And with Creighton in general, just not the same offense that we've seen in the past for them. I think that UC Santa Barbara, a team that has won the better defensive mid-majors out there in college basketball, going to do a good job of being able to contain Marcus Zigorowski. Now, switching gears just uh, really quick here. Um, I, I know, obviously, when, when you handicap games, you try to be as unbiased as possible. But I, I'm curious, Greg, do you have a favorite team? Because are, are, you're a Wisconsin guy, aren't you? Do you cheer for the Badgers? 
I really don't cheer for the Wisconsin Badgers because they wound up not accepting me into their university. I instead <laughs> had to go to D3, University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. So if we're picking D3 games, I've got a little bit of a bias. But, I mean, my sister did go to Wisconsin. She is a Badger, and I don't have the Badgers winning a single game in this tournament. I'm one of those people. I've been able to flush out my fandom. I'm someone that, even when it comes to Marquette, as well, a team that's really struggling right now. I mean, they wound up having a losing record this year. Even if they would be in the NCAA tournament, I would have personally no affinity to them. Yeah, I got Wisconsin going out first round as well. Um, Greg, I'm curious, give me give me a low-seeded team, because this is always something that, I mean, the casual uh, fan, casual sports, but is always looking for when it comes to, to March Madness. Is, is there a team this year that can make a Cinderella story run? Maybe, obviously, necessarily uh, to win it, obviously not even make it to, to the Final Four, but is there a low-seeded, maybe a double-digit-seeded team that you wouldn't be surprised make it to the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight? The team that I think could be able to make a run here, I'm not necessarily going to be able to give you a double-digit seed, but a team that I think could make a run to the Elite Eight is Oregon as a seven seed because mm. I take a look at this Oregon bunch. I think that they match up very well with Iowa. Now, Luca Garza is able to do a superb job. Iowa is a team that doesn't necessarily turn the ball over, but we've seen it so many times with Dana Altman in March. He always gets his team firing on all cylinders. You've got a bunch of guys on Oregon that they're able to match a three-point shooting that you're able to have for Iowa. Now, I do like the fact that the Hawkeyes have been able to play a little bit better on defense, but I think that Oregon, just the complement of guys that stand right around six foot six, six foot seven, they give you a double-digit amount of points. They give you five to six rebounds per game. They just do a little bit of everything. I think that that is going to match up very well against Iowa. And then if they wind up matching up against a Kansas or a USC, I think that they're going to be able to win either of those matchups. I personally have a USC versus Oregon Sweet 16 matchup. Last time Oregon and USC wound up matching up, USC got off to that 17-0 run about a month ago in that game. I think that Oregon is going to be out for blood. I think that they're going to be out for revenge. That was a time of which Will Richardson, a guy that shot 45% from three last season, was just acclimating himself back in the fold for Oregon. And now that he is back feeling a little bit more comfortable, I think that this is a dangerous Sucks team that is healthy at just the right time. Yeah, yeah, I, I I don't hate that at all. I I what I like to do every year is I like to make what I call a Cinderella bet, where I bet on a double digit seed team to make the final four to win the region. Uh, I don't think I've won one yet, but it's kind of a fun bet. I never expected to win, but it's just kind of a fun bet to see if I can predict a Cinderella team uh, correctly. So I'll give you mine, and I want to give you I want to hear your thoughts on this team. And don't hold back if you hate them. If you think they're going to lose in the first round, which they may may very well do because it'd be a big upset if they win in the first round. But I'm just curious of your thoughts uh, of this team. It's a Utah State uh, Aggies. Like I said earlier, I have a little bit of a spot, soft spot for the Mountain West. Uh, I mean, this is a team that's third in the country in rebounding percentage, seventh in defensive efficiency. I'm a little bit worried about their offense. They're, they're like 180th in effective field goal percent, percentage, something around there. But I think if their offense gets hot, this is a low-seeded team that might be able to go on a little bit of a run here. How do you feel about Utah State as a team? And, and do, do you like their chances whatsoever, even just to get past Texas Tech in that first-round matchup? Personally, I did advance Texas Tech in my bracket, but it's something where I don't necessarily hate it because with Utah State, what you like about this team is that they're able to win from within. Name is Keita, a guy that's able to give you a double-double, one of the nation's top shot blockers. With Utah State, what they need is a little bit of three-point shooting. Brock Miller, as I call him, Brock and Roll Miller, 
He's going to need to knock down a couple three-pointers for this team. Marco Anthony has been a guy that's been a little bit hermit for the team as well, but you do have Justin Bean down low. And Utah State, when it comes to rebound rating college basketball, they're a top-five team, so they're going to be able to win that battle down low. I just don't know how they're going to be able to necessarily match up with Mac McClung. Mac McClung is a little bit of a heat-check guy with Utah State. Other than their games against San Diego State, they haven't necessarily seen a lot of that. And it does feel like Utah State plays a little bit differently when they're outside of the state of Utah, which is why I am a little bit bearish on them. But this is a Utah State team that, because they do really rely upon the post rather than a bunch of jump shooting, at minimum, I do think that they're going to be able to stay in this game. Uh, Heading over to the East region, uh, there's something interesting that I think a lot of people are pointing out about this region in in, in the first round, and it's the fact that Michigan State or UCLA is going to be playing against BYU as an 11 seed. Do you think BYU kind of got a short end of the stick there? That is a tough uh, despite the fact Michigan State and UCLA, um, I mean, not only just for, from from general, they, they uh, did not succeed or meet the expectations for them heading into the season. From a betting window, Michigan State's the worst team against the spread in the tournament. UCLA is like the fourth or fifth, fifth worst team against the spread heading into the tournament. Uh, but still, that feels like that's a tough matchup for a six seed to get in the first round. So uh, obviously, we don't know who's going to come out of that matchup. But what do you think about that? Do you think BYU got like a short of an end of the stick there having to play against one of those blue blood teams? I would say yes, but at the same time, I didn't feel like BYU is worthy of a six seed. So yeah, it's true. one of those things where it sort of ironed itself out in the end because I could see this as like a Michigan State versus BYU 7-10 matchup. So honestly, I think it's a little bit of poetic justice. And whoever comes out of that Michigan State versus UCLA game, I do think is going to be able to knock off BYU because with BYU, you do have a couple good three-point shooters on the team. Last season, by the way, they're actually the only team in college basketball that shot over 40% as a collective. They've got a couple fewer pieces this year. Matt Harms has not necessarily been able to materialize the way that I thought he was going to. When you take a look at Caleb Lawner, this is someone that gives the team a little bit of versatility. And then Alex Barcel is really the heart and soul of the team, shooting from three-point range, but with Michigan State, do you ever want to bet against Tom Izzo in March? You certainly aren't making money if you're doing so with mm-hmm. that regard. And then you've got a guy in Joshua Langford who wound up being injured the last couple of years. I think that he's going to be trying to make the most of his last NCAA tournament. And with Aaron Henry, if he's just able to take care of the ball and he's going to be going up against a UCLA team that doesn't necessarily generate a lot of turnovers and a BYU team that they don't generate a lot of seals either. I think that it's going to bode very well for the Spartans. I could see them being able to make the round of 32. Now, you mentioned you, you think Gonzaga out of the one seeds uh, has has the easiest path to the Final Four, and odds makers would agree. I saw it around minus 200 to one place, minus 250 to another uh, for Gonzaga to make the Final Four. Which number one seed do you think has the toughest route to the Final Four? I think that it's actually Baylor, because with Baylor, I think that you're going to have an interesting matchup against North Carolina in the round of 32. North Carolina, one of the top teams when it comes to rebound rate in college basketball. If there is a weakness with Baylor, it is down low. And even if they get through that game, I certainly don't think that they're going to be playing against Villanova in the Sweet 16, but I've got them playing against Purdue. I think that Purdue is able to knock off Baylor because, for one, keep in mind, all these games are being played in the state of Indiana, home state of Purdue. So they've got actually a little bit of home court advantage with that regard. And with Baylor, I just don't know how they're going to be able to match up Travion Williams along Zach Eady. Zach Eady is seven foot four. He's really been able to come into his own the latter half of the season. And both of these guys rank in the top 75 when it comes to rebounds on a permanent basis. And then Jaden Ivey has been able to come on for Purdue as well. 12 plus points in each of the team's last five games. 
he's performing very well. And I just haven't seen what I wanted to out of Baylor ever since they wound up coming off of their COVID pause. Very unfortunate that they wound up having to go through that because Baylor, number one team in this field when it comes to three-point shooting percentage. But I do think that because they rely so much on their jump shooting and the fact that they are going to be unfamiliar surrounding, it puts, the, it puts them a little bit behind the eight ball against these teams like North Carolina and Purdue that they really try to look down low. And I feel like it's a little bit more stable when you're going into just strange settings like we are going to be seeing in this NCAA tournament. I, I got to say, Greg, a part of your handicapping, uh, the part that I might be impressed with the most and something I, I can definitely learn from you and trying to learn is, is handicapping players. And it's not something in college basketball I ever do uh, or rarely do. I usually just handicap teams and what the team uh, collective stats are. Um, but I think kind of that, that edge you have of being able to single out uh, specific players and kind of how they those players match up against their opponents, I think that's something I need to kind of add to my handicapping arsenal uh, next season. And maybe I need to focus a little bit more on college basketball and take a little bit of time off some other sports uh, like MMA. So that's interesting. I, I like that a lot, Greg. I'm going to finish off here. Uh, just a couple quick questions about the final four. I don't want you to necessarily give away your final four because obviously I want people to go listen to your podcast, Hooping with Hoops, where you give your full breakdown of the bracket. But how many number ones, can you give me how many number one seeds you have in your final four? I wound up having two number ones. I can tell you right now, Gonzaga is one of them. I mean, I feel like I'm not necessarily giving away too much there. I do have Gonzaga in the final four, so I do have that. But I wound up having two number one seats. I had a three seed and a four seed. Oh, that's that's fantastic. I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet. I'm going to get, uh, listen to it uh, tonight after I'm finished uh, recording my podcast here. Uh, but that's all I, all I got for you, Greg. I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been a long time coming. As I mentioned, follow him on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. Uh, Hooping with Hoops podcast, one of the best college basketball betting podcasts out there. Um, and also the Major League Baseball starting season is starting soon. I assume you're, you're going to be doing the MLB overtime betting podcast uh, this season as well. Yes, sir. And we're going to be calling it something very, very unique. My baseball betting podcast is going to be called the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg <laughs> Peterson. The creative team really had to go to work on that one. That's fantastic. I love it. All right. Anything else you want to plug? Uh, anywhere else we can follow your work? I'll be on the Vegas Ads and Information Network doing a whole bunch of late night shows. We're sort of going to be doing what I typically do on the podcast, recapping the night that was in college basketball once the games all wrap up right around like midnight, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern on these days in which we have NCAA tournament games. So we're going to do a little bit of a wrap-up and then look at the next day of college basketball games. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun. That is fantastic, Greg. Thank you once again for coming on, and I am looking forward to these next few weeks, my friend. Me too. Thank you so much for having me in. All right, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Mr. Peterson there. Uh, We're going to finish off with my preview and picks for the Honda Classic. This podcast has uh, gone on very long. I didn't think my bracket preview was going to take that long. Um, So I'm not going to spend a lot of time with the Honda Classic here. It's going to be a very quick PGA Tour betting preview. But I wanted to give all my picks, see if I go back-to-back after winning on Justin Thomas last week at 60-1. to So, Honda Classic. PGA National in Florida, I believe it's the last event of the Florida Swing. It's a par 77,158 yards. A couple key things uh, to note here. Uh, This tournament is one of the toughest courses to play on because wind plays a huge factor. Um, it's, there is a lot of bogeys get scored here. A lot of double bogeys actually have a stat here in 2019, 233 double bogeys or worse were scored at this event, which was the second most of any course that season. 
Uh, it's just absolutely treacherous. If you like a tournament where guys need to grind out pars, birdies are a little bit more rare. The final score is going to be single digits under par. This is the tournament for you. Uh, but like I said, a little bit of a weaker field because most guys, uh, most of the good guys are in players last week are going to be in the WGC next week. So kind of got sandwiched into two big events. So it's going to be a little bit of a weaker field. Sung J M won it last year, his first PGA Tour win. I believe he's second on the odds list next to Daniel Berger this year. Um, another thing to keep in mind, and this is, I want to shout out who I saw this um, stat from. Um, one of my favorite golf follows on Twitter. He doesn't bet, or at least not that I notice, um, but he does a lot of analytics for golf, which are very, very interesting. So if you're a golf better, I highly recommend following this guy. It's Justin Ray Golf on Twitter. Um, and when I, I do want to cite my source because I don't want to steal his, um, his stats here. Uh, and take them as as if I found them my own. So he tweeted this on Monday. He says there have been more approach shots at PGA National from 175 to 200 yards than any at than at any other course on tour the previous five seasons. So a lot of long approach shots, which helps us out as betters because we can key in on that distance. So actually, let's um, well before I get into my key stats there. Obviously, the a key thing to note, the infamous bear trap, 15, 16, 17. Water is just all over the place on, on this course. Only four holes out of 18 don't have water in play. So a lot of water, especially on the bear trap, 15, 16, 17. Obviously named after Jack Nicklaus. Um, so if you like if you like a tough tournament where there's going to be a lot of water balls, a lot of, a lot of um, hazards... Uh, a lot of high scores. This is the tournament for you. But let's get into my five key stats. We're starting off with ball striking. Off the tee doesn't seem too, too important outside of just generally avoiding the hazards. What's going to be more important is approach play onto the green. This is just like the, which has been similar. We've been on a stretch of tournaments like this where it's kind of more about placement off the tee and then approach shots that are important. Like that's kind of the style. Precision is going to be important with people's irons. Uh, they're going to substitute drivers for more long irons off the tee and things like that. So ball striking, which combines total driving and greens and regulations, the first key stat. And then strokes gained approaching the green, second key stat. Third is that one from that Justin Ray stat. Proximity from 175 to 200 yards out, PJ Tour stats, which they have a fantastic stats database. You can actually narrow in on that 25-yard distance. So since this course features more of these approach shots from that distance more than any other course, that allows us to narrow in on that. So take a look at proximity from 175 to 200 yards out. And then bogey avoidance. Like I said, this is a big-time bogey course, so let's uh, bet on guys who are good at avoiding those bogeys. That will be key. This, this event's not necessarily about getting a ton of birdies. It's about avoiding those bogeys. And then strokes gain putting. we got to look at putting, of course. Uh, so let's get into my two picks here. I've got two picks. I'm starting off with the Chilean Joaquin Neiman at 16-1. to 1. We won on Justin Thomas last week at 16-1. to 1. Well, here's another 16-1 to 1 bet. Uh, second in ball striking this year. Tied for 48th in strokes gained approaching the green. Tied for 122nd in approaching from 175 to 200 yards out. So that's kind of the one weak point, that specific stat he's not great in. But I can forgive him because he is 23rd in bogey avoidance and 52nd in strokes gained putting. So his putting has uh, improved quite a bit from last season, which is always good to see. And he hasn't missed the cut this season yet in 11 events. He has no missed cuts, three top 10s, seven top 25s. I think he's flying under the radar here in a weaker field. 
um, where he's a good ball striker. He's a good iron player, good at bogey avoidance. I think this might be his chance to win, uh, get his second PGA Tour win. So Joaquin Neiman, the Chilean, 16-1 to 1 is my first pick. My next pick is a guy at 40-1, to 1, Cameron uh, Tringali. He's kind of flying underneath the radar this season as well. T for 29 in ball striking, 44th in strokes gained approaching the green. T in seven, T 74th in approaches from 175 to 200 yards out. T 33 in bogey avoidance, and then 49th in strokes gained putting. So top 75 in all five of my key stats. He finished 27th here last year, 36th here the year before. He's actually competed at this event seven times, has made the cut in seven of those ten times. So I mean, he's competed there ten times. So he has a lot of ex- experience playing this course. He did miss the cut last week uh, at the players, but before that, he was playing fantastic golf. He had a third-place finish at the RSM Classic. T- he had a uh, T7 at Pebble Beach, T17 at the Waste Management. So he's finished near the top in a handful of tournaments. He's kind of lurking in the background there. He has good numbers, good finishes so far this season. Uh, in a weaker field, this might be his time to pounce and grab a win. So, uh, and I like the odds at 40 to 1, a little bit of a dark horse. So like I've been doing, I will take both these guys top 10 as well. I don't have top 10 odds as of when I'm recording this uh, Monday night. Those odds aren't out yet, but I will be taking Joaquin Neiman, 16 to 1 to win and his top 10 odds. And then Cameron Tringali, 40 to 1 to win and top 10 odds as well. So there you have it. This has been a very lengthy podcast. Uh, I mean, it's not too, too long, but longer than what uh, my podcasts normally are. I hope you've enjoyed it. My bracket preview my interview, um, and my PJ Tour betting preview. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you already rate it, review it. You can donate if you want. Link is in the description in the PayPal link if you want to donate. Uh, but that's all I have for you. I will be talking to you again later this week. Thursday morning, I will release my podcast where I will have a pick for the first four games and then every single game in the first round of March Madness. March is here. I'm very excited. You're excited. I love it. We love it i got nothing else to say. I've talked too much tonight. Goodbye, everyone. I will talk to you on Thursday. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen. On sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save